This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world-building warrior Angeline Trevina, planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line, and formatting fireball Julia Scott. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be unstoppable. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. I'm your host, Holly Line, and today we're talking about future planning your writing career. You can also expect this episode to be somewhat heavy on Clifton strengths. But before I get into the main topic, I better give you my personal update. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, that's what I'm telling myself. So I'm gradually getting back to normal after a long weekend away with my other half. The weekend in the forest was much needed and long overdue, and I have come back feeling remotivated, mostly. But you know how it is after a break. It can be hard to get back into the swing of things. The first full day back home was filled with appointments and music lessons, and the second day was an odd one because my other half was in the office, which is very rare these days. So I was managing the kids and everything solo, something I'm really not used to doing anymore. But I do feel like I want to write lots and I had a brainwave during the mini break on how the subplot and main plot of my current work in progress fit together, which was a very nice brainwave to get. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's, it's just, it's just there, just, just a bit beyond my, my grasp. But, um, we're now at the end of our first week back and it's it's been chaos but hopefully everything's going to settle back into place and I'll be able to get back into routine. Uh, so I've just finished reading Becca Symes' new book, Dear Writer, Are You Intuitive? I've been looking forward to this book for months because I've always known that I am a highly intuitive person and from the snippets of the book that Becca shared on her Patreon I knew it was going to speak to me and I wasn't wrong. I feel very seen and validated reading this book and highly recommend it to any writer who has ever felt like your gut is at odds with standard advice or has ever been shamed into not trusting your intuition. This book will help you to overcome that past and make intuition your superpower. I will put a link in the show notes. Our question of the week last week was, what is your favourite season to write about? Over in the Facebook group... Uh, we had responses from Kim, who said spring, and Heather saying, being a Canadian who suffered heat stroke, I pick winter. Um, and she also shared a graphic of how Canadians decide which um, <laughs> which uh, units of measurement to use in any given circumstance, and it's, it's quite entertaining. So I highly recommend um, heading over to our Facebook group and taking a look at that. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we are unstoppable authors. On Instagram, Edwin said, so much of my writing takes place in controlled environments. Seasons and weather rarely come into the picture. When I'm writing planet side, my favourite weather is something that impacts the immediate scene. I've used sunsets, rainbows and a sudden thunder shower along the way. 
Melinda said, I don't know that I have a favourite season to write about. I've used them all in various projects. I did really enjoy writing about Christmas in Ireland, though, but that's a holiday and not necessarily a season. Uh, yes, I get what you mean, but of course, for those of us in the nor- Northern Hemisphere, Christmas and winter are, you know, intimately connected. And that is obviously the origin of that particular holiday, is the midwinter festival as well. So this week... We want to know, what do you want to accomplish by the end of 2022? No new patrons this week, but a huge thank you for the continued support of all of our current patrons. Everyone who signs up to our Patreon gets all of the benefits, including early access to episodes, recordings of our post-show chit-chat, and our monthly sprints and giggles writing sessions. The next one is on Wednesday the 18th of May at 8pm UK time, so become a member before then to join in. Membership costs just £3 a month, or your preferred local currency, and we'll also give you a shout-out on the show. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash unstoppableauthors. Now then, the main topic. Today I want to talk to you about future planning. As I'm sure most of you know by now, I'm big on goal setting and planning and all that jazz. Primarily that comes from my number one strength, futuristic, but I also have supporting strengths that compound that inclination, like my number two strategic, which likes a plan. In fact, it likes many plans. My backup plans have backup plans. And discipline at number 12, which also likes the security of a plan. I've always been someone who enjoys daydreaming about future events and having something to look forward to. I've been a compulsive holiday planner all my life, picking out destinations and ideal itineraries for trips I may never take. I've always dreamed of my dream house, too, collecting images on Pinterest. I've used vision boards since before the internet was a particularly big thing in our lives. But since getting to know about strengths, I've come to realise, and grudgingly accept, that not everyone is like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is obvious, really, uh, and yet it was a bit of a surprise to me. So the things that work for me, the things that motivate me, won't necessarily work for everyone. Some people, particularly Angeline, don't function better with a plan. (laughs) They're actually better off without one, or at least a very lightly held one that they don't mind changing. So I want to say this up front as we get into this topic. It's okay if you don't want to plan for the future. If it's not something that fuels you, don't try to change yourself. Not everyone wants to use a planner or have a system, and that's fine. But I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this podcast, at the very least, you want to write a book, if not many books, and have a career as a writer. So even if future planning is not something that excites you, if you are going to accomplish either of those things, you're going to need some strategies in place. So first of all, I want to talk about deciding what it is that you want to get out of your author life. Knowing why you're doing this is important, no matter how you feel about future planning. It can help you with decisions in the moment if you know what general direction you're going in. As difficult as this might be for some to accept, we can't actually do everything in life. We have to make choices because our time is finite. If we say yes to having a family, we will need to say no to certain other things. If we say yes to constant travel and excitement, we may need to say no to regular appointments in one place. If you know that you want to focus on writing fiction and building a business around that, you may need to learn to say no to some other tangent opportunities as they come along. 
It's so easy to look at what other successful people are doing and to assume that if we just emulate them, we'll get the same results. But it doesn't work that way because we all have unique personalities and life situations. Many of the more prominent members of this indie author community are people whose lives are nothing like mine, whose strengths are nothing like mine. A big part of why Angeline and I wanted to do this podcast together and why Julia was the perfect addition to the team is that we're all on different journeys to so many of the other podcasters and teachers in this sphere. We're all parents first. We don't have spouses doing the lion's share of the parenting and housework. So we knew that our perspective was different and would resonate with an awful lot of writers out there who have and enjoy having other priorities. You may not ever want to go full time with your writing. You may always want the security of a paycheck or to focus on your kids for the next 10 years or more. You may not be chasing six or seven figures. You may not want to run a business providing author services or courses in order to reach an income goal. You may not be in a position to churn out 20 books a year. (laughs) Your goals, your big why, is your own and you shouldn't feel as though you need to match someone else's. Unless you're highly competitive and are driven by that. But even so, try competing against yourself. Try to constantly beat your own records and milestones. It's likely to be better for you and more fulfilling than trying to emulate someone else's path with whom you can't compete because you're just too different. Maybe you're someone with huge ambitions and the drive to write fast, make big money or serve the community with coaching or a series of best-selling non-fiction books. Maybe you dream of being hired to speak at events. All of those things are fantastic and we're absolutely here for you and we want to encourage you to chase those dreams. Again, you're going to need a plan. I hope you can see how the choices you make day to day will be very different depending on what big why you're striving for. That's why it's important to know what you're moving towards. Now, you don't have to get any more specific than that if you don't want to. Just keeping a general idea in mind may be enough for you. But if you're like me, the destination is only part of the picture. You also want to have a plan for the journey. I've been an advocate of SMART goals for many years now. It's not a system that will resonate with absolutely everyone, and I will suggest some others shortly, but it's the system that I've found to be the most effective for me, and the psychology of it makes sense to me, thanks to how my brain works. But I encourage you to try different things and find the best system for you. So, if you're new to the concept, a SMART goal, it's an acronym, and it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-bound. So something like, I want to make loads of money, is the opposite of a SMART goal. (laughs) It's none of those things. A possible SMART version could be, I will make £100,000 per year within five years from fiction, non-fiction and courses. I already make £40,000 a year and my big why is to have financial freedom for my family. It's a specific amount of money and specific means of making it. It's measurable because you can track the progress on a monthly and annual basis. It's attainable because you're already on your way towards it, not starting from nothing. It's relevant because it leads you to your big why and it's time bound by having a five year deadline. If that isn't floating your boat and not just the goal, that was just plucked out of thin air for an example, but the SMART system. Try looking into CLEAR Objectives by Adam Creek. Again, that's an acronym. 
and FAST goals established by the brains at MIT. There are many other options out there, so take a look around and see what fits for you. You could even cobble together elements from multiple systems to find the best combination for you. I really like the E for emotional in clear and F for frequently discussed from FAST, and I do loosely incorporate those into my goals and planning. If you've listened to a fair few of our episodes, then you'll know that we do monthly accountability around here. I also like to set quarterly goals, but my lovely co-hosts have much higher adaptability than me and nowhere near as high futuristic, so we differ on long-term plans and how important they are. Uh, Case in point being that a quarter isn't actually a long-term plan for me, that's quite (laughs) short-term. My long-term goals have 10 plus year deadlines, so yeah. Anyway, we tell each other and you what we plan to accomplish each month and check in each week because being transparent about goals can really help in accomplishing them. Not always. I think what we're seeing on this podcast is that without concrete consequences for failing to meet our goals, it's not all that effective. But you may find that just telling someone what you plan to achieve is enough. You might need that person to check in with you regularly and give you a nudge towards doing it. You may even need a dramatic forfeit as a consequence for not meeting your goals. Forfeits, quite frankly, scare the crap out of me and actually just make me dodge the accountability, so um, that's not an option for me. I need to have a think about that and figure out what kind of a push will work for me these days because my life is different from how it was five years ago. Um, So yeah, as we change, the way we need to do things will change too. I know a few writers who simply share their daily word counts on social media so that their followers can see what progress is being made. That dose of social pressure does the job. You could also look look into using rewards for meeting your goals. They can be as simple as a cute or sparkly sticker for meeting your daily word count or spending money on yourself for bigger milestones. The other key component of achieving goals is working frequent reminders into your routine. I bullet journal, so I write down my goals each week, month and quarter in there, as well as my daily task lists. Each evening when I reflect on the day, I also write down something I accomplished, but that doesn't always relate to a current SMART goal. Sometimes it's just a household chore that was overdue or a health-related achievement that I want to celebrate. When I've written morning pages in the past, I've made a point of writing down my long-term goals every single day in those pages as a daily reminder of what I'm working towards. In fact, I recently agreed to some journaling accountability with a couple of writer friends to help me get back into this habit and getting nudged every day uh, is, is providing the pressure to get those pages written. So sometimes a nudge is all we need. You might want to write your goals on post-its and stick them in places where you'll see them often, like the fridge door or the bathroom mirror. I have images related to some of my lifestyle bucket list items stuck inside my wardrobe door so that every time I open it, I see them there. You could set reminders on your phone to pop up at regular intervals. You can set your computer password to be related to a goal too. Whatever method works for you, find ways to keep your goals front and centre in your daily life so that you can't just forget about them. One of the things that can be a great boon is keeping an eye on trends and being ahead of the curve when it comes to popular genres or tropes or new technologies. So when thinking about your business's future, you may want to get in on the ground floor of things like Kindle Vela or 
Perhaps you were quick to jump into producing audiobooks before they started to take off. I know of an author who wrote Reverse Harem before that was even a thing. Being ahead of the curve can be frustrating because it takes patience and commitment to see a return on investment. But the wonderful thing about this business is that everything we write, every format we publish in, becomes a lifelong asset. If you feel called to write vampire romance but it's not currently enjoying much popularity, do it anyway and be secure in knowing that the genre will have its day again sooner or later. These things come in waves. If you see the start of a swell in a particular type of story and you can write quickly, you can jump on that trend and be one of the early adopters. When a new craze is getting started, the appetite can often be much higher than the number of books on offer, meaning there's far less competition in the market. However, chasing trends isn't possible for all of us. It's certainly not sustainable either. If you're always chasing popular trends, you may struggle to build a core following who will read everything you write, because those readers may not like the next thing that you decide to chase. Very few writers can consistently churn out books quickly enough to keep pace with the market for more than a few years. Eventually they'll face burnout, and I don't recommend that. Thinking long term is a constant balancing act of what makes sense now and what is practical over the years to come. Now, one last thing I want to talk about that's connected to future planning is how important it is, in my opinion, to build a business that is future proof. You never know what might happen to your social media platform of choice or what changes the retailers will throw at us. And then there's the issue of what happens to your intellectual property after your death. Some of this is unpleasant to think about, but it's a good idea. Do you really want to cultivate a huge following on one social media network only for your account to be deleted by a bot? We talk about this sort of thing a lot on this show and it's because we believe in the importance of protecting your connection with your readers. A mailing list is the optimal means for maintaining a link with readers as it isn't dependent on other platforms. As long as you keep the email list backed up regularly, it's yours to keep. If one service closes up shop, you can take your list to another one and pick up where you left off. As long as you're being ethical in how you collect those addresses, then it's a valuable asset that is immune to the unpredictability of social media. Just as a recent example, my primary social media is Instagram, but what I and many other creators there have noticed is that reach and engagement has dropped off a cliff in the last few months. People are reporting a 25% drop in these metrics, or worse. The platform is also now heavily pushing short video content in its attempt to compete with TikTok, and many of us OG Instagram users don't like this change. We were attracted to Instagram because it was a photo-sharing platform, and it isn't anymore. (laughs) That's what we liked about it, and why we chose to be there. Now it seems that static images are being dropped by the algorithm in favour of reels. Facebook and Instagram, which are the same company, both also practice something called shadow banning, where they mute your reach if they decide they don't agree with your content. Women are being particularly affected by this. There's really nothing that we can do about it. When you join a social media site, you are agreeing to abide by their rules, even if those rules change. It's not your sandbox. It's really quite unwise to build your primary platform on that sand. Likewise, the ebook retailers, Amazon is an imperfect site, an imperfect company. Remember that its primary business is in data mining, not retail. 
It's essentially a giant product-based search engine designed to collect data about its users and then profit from that data through targeted advertising, just like Facebook. I remember hearing a gem of advice along the lines of, if you don't pay to use the service, you are the service. It's free to be on these giant platforms. It costs nothing to create a KDP account and upload a book to sell. As a customer, you can be on there and never buy a thing. That's because they are making all their money from selling your data. If in your author life you've ventured into cost per click advertising on Facebook or Amazon, you'll have seen this for yourself. The targeting you can do on those platforms is thanks to their massive data collection. Now, we can benefit from access to that backend data, absolutely. But in the interests of future-proofing your business, bear in mind what the relationship between yourself and any company you deal with actually is. Just as I believe it makes sense to have a mailing list to maintain direct communication with your readers, I also think it's sensible to publish wide and not be at the mercy of Amazon for 100% of your income. Authors have had their KDB accounts terminated without warning and without appeal before. They've had books taken down, views, reviews stripped. We really are beholden to the whims of the algorithms and bots that run day-to-day -day operations on the platform. Can KU be a really good option? Yes, it absolutely can under certain circumstances. If you're new and just want to learn one thing at a time, then it makes sense. If your genre is dominated by KU authors, then it stands to reason that you'd be much more able to reach more readers if you're exclusive to Amazon. But again, what is your big why? My genre, for example, is a very KU dominated one. There are precious few urban fantasy authors who publish wide. Am I missing out on KU page reads by not being in that program? Probably, but one of my core values is freedom and part of my big why is to be accessible to readers all around the world. So I choose to take the risk of less income now in pursuit of greater reach in the long term. I have experimented with this as well and found that when I was in KU, page reads made up about a third of my income. However, I now make about 40% of my income from wide sales, so that gamble was worth it for me. So think about what you value and what you want your publishing journey to look like. Do you want to essentially be an Amazon contracted writer and potentially get paid very well for that role? Or do you want the freedom and independence of publishing wide? Now then, onto the last slightly icky part of future planning. What happens when you're gone? As I've mentioned a few times about your books becoming assets. Assets outlive us just as any physical property you own will have to pass into someone else's hands when you die, so too does your intellectual property. This is a slightly complex area and I am not a legal professional, so I highly recommend speaking with a solicitor or attorney about this topic. An excellent starting point is the Alliance of Independent Authors and I will link to their resources on estate management in the show notes. Intellectual property in the form of books become public domain at different times in different countries, but in the UK it's life plus 70 years. What does this mean? Well, in short, it means that your family can continue to sell and profit from your books for 70 years after you die. You're potentially leaving a legacy for your children and beyond. However, the passing on of these rights isn't necessarily automatic. You should speak to a solicitor about creating a will, and producing this episode is indeed putting this higher on my own radar. 
A couple of notable authors who died without leaving a will are Michael Crichton, of Jurassic Park fame, and Stieg Larsson. Both of his families ended up disputing the transfer of rights to their works. For an independent author, you may want to give some thought to not only who would own your IP, but also who would manage those assets best. There's not a lot of benefit to leaving your children the rights to your work if they are too young or not knowledgeable enough to make money from that work. It may be possible to have someone else manage your assets on behalf of your heirs. Anyway, that's enough gloom forecasting for today. I hope this episode has given you something to think about. Obviously, future planning is something I really enjoy and that drives me forward. That isn't necessarily true for you, but I hope this was informative and thought-provoking in any case, and has given you some ideas to help you get from A to B. If you would like to go deeper on this topic, you can check out my book, Goal Setting for Writers. Just a reminder of our question of the week, what do you want to accomplish by the end of 2022? And remember that if you want to join us for sprints and giggles and get all of the other benefits, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for unstoppable authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors Podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com. And join our guild of unstoppable authors and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of World Building. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe and leave a review.